Hey there, and welcome to Real Talk on the Ridge with Karina Michelle. Each episode covers local business interviews and events from the Northeast Polk Chamber of Commerce and is sponsored by Citizens Bank and Trust. All right, let's dive headfirst into this episode. Hello, I'm Greg Littleton, President and CEO of Citizens Bank and Trust. We're proud to sponsor the Northeast Polk Chamber's Real Talk on the Ridge podcast. For over 100 years and counting, Citizens Bank and Trust has been a stable and reliable banking partner in our community. Now in our third generation of family ownership, you can count on the team at Citizens Bank and Trust to be here for all your banking needs. We will work with you one-on-one to discuss your financial goals and find the banking solution that's right for you. We offer a variety of services, including personal, small business, commercial, and more. If you're looking for a community bank with a heart for people and outstanding customer service, I invite you to visit our Haines City office, located at 36250 Highway 27, to speak with Lindsay and her team. You can also find us online at citizens-bank.com to learn more about our full line of banking services. At Citizens Bank and Trust, we're proud to be your bank. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. I just want to say my guest today, I'm so excited about having him on. Um, I really admired him for a while. And um, in my opinion, he doesn't need much of an introduction. So he's been a staple at the Polk County Sheriff's Office since 1972. And um, he has such a great story. This is Sheriff Grady Judd. Well, you know, it's truly an honor to be the sheriff of the county. But you just don't arrive here. And it all started with a dream when I was a little bitty fella. I can't remember. I was so young, maybe four or five years old. And I wanted to be the sheriff. I wanted to work into law enforcement. And I never lost that dream. In fact, when I was 18 years of age, I just graduated from high school. Uh, The sheriff, Brandon, hired me in July to work in the communication center. We call the radio room back in the day. And that was when I was only 18. And then I married my high school sweetheart, Marisa, who's the wind beneath my wings Aww. in September. Yeah. And so I've had this job and my wife now for over 50 years. Wow. I worked my way up through the organization, went to school nights and weekends to get my bas- bachelor's and master's degree. Mm-hmm. Had two wonderful children who are now grown and have their own children. And I was elected sheriff in 2004. My last sheriff, I worked for five different sheriffs. I learned from all of them. Some I learned what to do. Others I learned what not to do. (laughs) Sheriff Crow, the last sheriff, was here 18 years and he retired. He was my mentor and my dear friend. So I ran and the wonderful people of Polk County saw fit to allow me to be elected sheriff. And I've been elected every since. So I'm in my 19th year as sheriff. And crime is at a 51-year low. And people are safer than they've ever been in unincorporated Polk County in our service cities. And I'm excited to keep people safe. So it was 32 years from the time I entered service until I retired as a colonel, which was the top top department head. Mm -hmm. And I was elected and immediately took office as the sheriff. So it is an honor to serve. 
And that's what I believe as sheriff. I'm your servant. I work for you. So to keep you safe and help you in some of the most desperate times of your life so that you never have to face a big emergency by yourself. Yeah. It's a true honor. That's so great to hear. And it's true what you say about, um, you say it's exciting to keep people safe. And it's, it's also exciting to feel safe. You know, I just came back from California and uh, it's such a different place now, you know, to come back to Central Florida. You do feel safe, you know, you really do. You do. I was I was a former president of the major county sheriffs of America. And so I'm good friends with a lot of the sheriffs, the major county sheriffs in, in California. And they're very frustrated there. Yeah. There's no respect for the law. There's uh-huh. no respect for the law enforcement officers. Because the elected officials, the state house members, the Senate members, the governor, the mayors, the city commissioners have created laws that were in the best interest of the criminal, mm-hmm. not in the best interest of the community. So as a result, people are not only not safe in California, mm-hmm. they don't feel safe. Right. It's true. And the law enforcement officers have to follow the rules. So if the rules say don't arrest people for stealing, then they don't arrest people for stealing. If they say, oh, by the way, possession of heroin and methamphetamine and cocaine is a misdemeanor, and it is in California, don't take them to jail, then they don't take them to jail. So as a result, drug use goes up, crime goes up, and the good people of the community suffer more. Why that works for California and their elected officials, I don't know, but we don't do it that way in Florida. Yeah, And that's why crime's down in Polk County and crime's up in California. Right, right. No, that makes sense for sure. Um, I've, I have had the pleasure of hearing you speak a couple of times in Davenport at Tom, Tom Fellows, I think it was. And yes. the, the one thing that caught my attention is what you've done for mental health and hearing you speak about that. And just it just really touched my heart. Well, first and foremost... As sheriff, one of my duties and responsibilities is to look out for the best interests of everyone in the community. Well, you think about it. The very young can't look out for themselves. The very old can't look out for themselves. Those that are mentally challenged can't look out for themselves. Well, way back in the day, they did away with the state mental health hospitals. And immediately, those that were significantly mentally ill ended up in back parking lots, sleeping in dumpsters, underneath overpasses, sleeping in orange groves, or in the county jail. That's right. So the sheriff is now the de facto largest mental health facility in the county, not because the sheriff wanted it, but because there is not sufficient help for the mentally ill. So we began a program called Helping Hands. We worked with our board of county commissioners. We have a half cent sales tax that go into medical services for those that can't afford it in the county. And I'm grateful for that. We help those that can't afford it. And part of that goes to the mentally ill. So with helping hands, we identify those that are in jail because the crime they committed was as the end result of their mental health condition. Then we put them on the appropriate medication while they're in jail. And when they're released from jail on probation or under whatever circumstances, with a Helping Hands program, we follow them into the community, making sure after they leave the jail, they can still get their medicine, and we're looking out for them. We think that's very important, Mm -hmm. and we've seen a lot of positive results with that. 
sure. Now, you add to that that I was appointed and served on the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Commission mm-hmm. that investigated the horrible shooting yeah. of those high school students down in Parkland, Florida, at the Marjorie, du- Marjorie Douglas Stoneman High School. And what we learned from that is the shooter had mental health issues. It's no surprise. And we also learned that over his life, he had a great deal of mental health services, but there were silos. This mental health worker wasn't talking to that mental health worker that wasn't talking to this mental health worker that wasn't talking to the school that wasn't talking to law enforcement. So the resources that were available were never interconnected. And the services came in fits and spells. Some of that information I learned, I can't talk about publicly because It was confidential mental health services. But what I can talk about is some of that confidential information that came out in the trial, the sentencing trial. And what we'd learned was there there were times when he would get lots of services and then they would stop. There were times when they would move him from school to school or program to program to try to help him. When this pot of money ran out, they'd switch him to this part of money. But maybe the family got involved and said, well, he doesn't need this anymore. And then there were times where he clearly committed a criminal act, but they protected him. They kept him away from the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. But the criminal justice system was the only system that could mandate that he got help. So the system that could have helped him most and mandated that he got help, they protected and hid him from. So when you look at the compilation of all of these issues, after I was elected my last term of office, I said my top priority, beside keeping crime down, keeping people safe, is to see if we can't move the needle on mental health services. And that was obviously before the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas event. And so all of these other experiences reconfirm what we need to do. Yeah. Polk Vision, I give them a lot of credit. Polk Vision did a survey because they wanted to do more with mental health services. So we joined them. I created the first director of mental health services here at the sheriff's office in the history of the county. Wow. And Gwinnell Brandt, who has now her doctorate degree, has worked for us for a lot of years. Her job is to break down the silos and interconnect us to all the mental health providers Uh and to interconnect not only our services and our response, but to help craft a response that's in the best interest of those that are mentally ill. Mm -hmm. And that's what she does. And that's what we're doing. We've seen the repeat Baker acts go down after we partnered with Peace River Center to Uh do follow-ups. We're excited about that. So a lot of our work is not making the news because It's preventing crime from occurring. It's improving people's quality of life. And we've just begun. We're going to get better and better and better. So I think the mental health providers, the local hospitals that joined us, the county, our board of county commissioners, they're just the absolute very best. I am really, really, really excited about where we're going with our new mental health model. So Stand by for more news on great things to come. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it makes total sense too to have that communication in place. You know, of to course. really, yeah. Um, so you mentioned the schools. What can we do to make our schools safer? I know you've already done so much, which makes me happy as a parent. Well, first and foremost, 
before the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas event, we already had safe schools in Polk County. And the reason for that is the school board authorized not this superintendent, not the last superintendent, but the superintendent before that to hire our captain and make them the director of safe schools for the Polk County Board of uh, Education. So we've been involved in providing safety and security and creating systems and processes. And we've done that for years. So I congratulate the Board of Education, our school board, for their visionary work. They really, really, really had to get out of their comfort zone in order to do some things to keep the children safe. So even before Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, we were doing great things. Then the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas legislation came about, and we could talk about that forever. But we were already in place. We were working with the police departments. We were working with our folks. We were working with the schools. There had already been millions and millions of dollars pumped into school safety. And now school safety is even better today. But we're improving it every school year and every week of every school year. The current superintendent, Fred Hyde, and our current school board have been totally remarkable. Here's our goal. Our goal is that when you deliver your child to our schools healthy first thing in the morning is to make sure you receive them back in the same condition in the afternoon. That's your expectation. It's our expectation. When your child goes to school, that child becomes our child until we can return them safely to you. And we're going to care about their welfare. And we're going to care to make sure that they have a safe learning environment, but that they feel safe. We don't want a school system that's like Fort Knox, that they go there and they don't have the freedom to learn and to be happy and to be involved. We're going to make sure all that freedom and all that exciting atmosphere of school exists, but we're going to have layers and layers of security to reduce the probabilities. We can never guarantee there won't be an active shooter because there will be another one someplace in the world and someplace in the United States. We just know with our systems and processes, we're reducing the probability for one to occur and increasing better outcomes in the event that one were to occur. So I'm excited. I am really excited. And in a, and during this effort to make sure our schools are safer, we also have a branch that deals with colleges and universities. Right. I started the first division of law enforcement called the Safe Schools Division in the history of not only the Polk County Sheriff's Office, but probably the United States. I don't know of the 18,000 plus law enforcement agencies, but I don't suspect many at all have an entire division assigned to safe schools. So in effect, what that division is, is a police department for the school system. And it's not just safety and security, it's counseling and interaction and positive interaction and building trust with the students and they build building trust with us. So I'm really excited. I am grateful for our school board who does remarkable work And they had to get way outside of their comfort zone of the normal school system in order to make sure the children were safe. I applaud them for their work. And we're going to continue to make schools even safer and safer. 
Um, so as far as citizens, what can we do to stay safe other than locking our doors and, you know, the usual thing? One of the things that concerns me most in the community, now understand crimes at a 51-year low, but as citizens in the community, one of the things that concerns me most, people with firearms in their car go home at night and don't take the firearm out of their car into their home. So, and some don't even lock their cars. Right. It frustrates me really, really bad. We have a team of guys that focus on going after the gangbangers. And I was doing high fives because we had taken four guns from four gangbangers in one week. And on Saturday night of that week, some of these gangbangers that weren't in jail broke into cars in one neighborhood and stole four guns. So gangbangers stole more guns in one night or as many guns in one night as we seize from them all week long. So why did that happen? Because people didn't like their cars. People didn't take their guns inside. But I want you to understand the majority of the people that come into your yard to break into your car at night. They're not seeking cash. They're not seeking credit cards. They'll take those if they're there, but they're seeking your gun and they're seeking your car. That's right. Some people leave their key fob in oh the car. God. Right, right. So these guys are jumping in the car, pushing the button, yeah. the car starting. So they take <laughs> right. your car. It's too easy. It's too easy. It's too though. easy. <laughs> so here's what I'm asking everybody please, please, please. Take your gun inside. Otherwise, the gangbanger breaking into your car in your front yard now is armed with your gun. And if they decide to go ahead and do a home invasion robbery, they're going to take your gun, break into your home with your kids and your family, and potentially shoot them while trying to rob you. Yeah, that's crazy. It would have been a whole lot easier for you to have the gun on the inside. So if they tried to come in, you could have protected your kids and your family. Right. Help us out, and crime will go even lower. Mm, that's great advice. Um, okay, we're going to switch gears here a little bit, a little bit lighter. Um, you've become such a well-known person here in the U.S. and also throughout the world. Uh, why do you think people relate to you in such a way? You know, there are many sheriffs that have, obviously we think you're special. So why do you think that is? Well, thank you very much for saying that. Here's what I believe. First and foremost, I love the community. I love the people. I love all the people. And you don't get trust until you first give trust. And it's important to communicate. We're doing your podcast today. So why are we doing that? Not only for us to talk, but the people who watch your podcast, who are also people of this community and my constituents. It's my job to communicate with them. And to give them the idea, the ideas of what we're doing here at the office. But I try to talk to people like what they are, my friends. It's like if I'm sitting on the couch with you drinking iced tea one afternoon and we're talking about the current events of the day. So I'm your servant. I wasn't elected to be on a pedestal. I wasn't elected to be someone that's not touchable. I was elected to work for you and be your servant and to report to you. And that's what I do. And I like to have a good time. Yeah. I like to cut up. I like to. (laughs) Which is fun. (laughs) Yes. Make light of sometimes very serious subjects, because if you don't, you know, this would drive you crazy. Not only us as a law enforcement officer, but a community. 
And the reality of it is, crime is but a snippet of what's going on every day. The majority of the people in this county are wonderful people that work really hard, like to have a good time. And I've always said and coached when I teach in classes to law enforcement officers, the community wants to like their cops. Yeah. If they don't, it's the cops' fault. So we teach interaction, community service, being engaged with the community. In fact, we're preparing for some back-to-school bashes where we're going to give away thousands of book book bags for the kids who need them. We love to do those things because if you think about it, if you ask, well, what does the deputies do or the officers? Oh, they put people in jail and write tickets. You know, that's less than 20% of our work day. 80% of our workday is service calls, helping people who need help. And we'd like to give help. Yeah. No, that's great to hear. Um, I have to say that the press conferences, I mean, you really do keep people's attention that way too. You know, you make them so fun. And it's not only factual, you know, it's great information in a professional setting, just like we're seeing you here today. Sure. Um, and I think people really root for you. you know, they, they want they want you guys to get the bad guys, right, and put them away. And... Of course they do. Yeah. But they like to to know what's happening and make it in a conversation sure. sense. Yeah. We all watch the old dragnet program, Just the Facts, Just the yeah. Facts. Yeah. You know, the suspect and the perpetrator. Uh-huh. No, that's not real. That's not right. how we want to talk. Right. But. Let me give you an example that I think is just hilarious, but it's a clear compare and contrast to Florida and Polk County and California. In California, theft of less than $900 is a misdemeanor. Heroin is a misdemeanor. Possession of meth is a misdemeanor. Possession of cocaine is a misdemeanor. Possession of oxys and fentanyl is a misdemeanor. Possession of marijuana is legal. And oh, by the way, we're not going to arrest people and put for and put them in jail for any misdemeanors other than maybe domestic violence and DUI. So crime goes up. People do what they want to, and the Me Too kicks in. You see, the people who would not commit crime because they don't want to be hassled by the system, all of a sudden see that sees that nobody's going to jail, nobody's being held accountable. Maybe they'll just give them a citation. So let me bring you back to Florida and tell you the difference in Florida and California. A guy went into a store and he stole a soda, $2.19. Well, had he stole that soda and walked out of a convenience store in California, they wouldn't have even bothered calling. The police agency wouldn't even bothered responding. But for the person who did respond on occasion, they may write him a citation saying, here, appear in court. The difference is when the guy poured up his $2.19 soda in Polk County and walked past the point of sale, the nice lady at the store said, sir, you forgot to pay for your soda. And he said, yeah, 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 I understand. And then he got to the front door. So the lady approached him at the front door and said, sir, please, you need to pay for your soda. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He pushed out of the door and went to his car. She followed him to the car and said, sir, you've taken the soda. You've got to pay for it. He said, yeah, 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 and he got in his car and he drove away. Well, this lady, knowing she's in Polk County and not in California, got the tag number, the car description, called the sheriff's office, and somebody said, someone just stole from our store. 
Well, my deputies, who are simply the very best, are on patrol. They see the car. So they stop the vehicle, walk up to it. The guy's very nice. They said, sir, may I see your driver's license? And he said, sure, but why did you stop me? He said, sir, we stopped you because we got a call that you, and they looked in the console and said, stole that soda. It's $2.19. And then the guy gets indignant. You stopped me because I saw so I stole a soda for two dollars <laughs> nineteen cents. Yeah. They go, no, sir. We stopped you because you're a thief. Yeah. You took something that doesn't belong to you. Now, sir, can you please step out of the car? And he said, what for? And we said, sir, it's a lot easier to handcuff you if you're not sitting down. Handcuff me? Yes, sir. <laughs> We're taking you to jail. Yeah. You're taking me to jail. So then he says, what about my car? We'll tow it to a safe area so you can get that car when you get out of jail. Oh, by the way, the bond is $500 for petty theft, retail theft. Yeah. But if you don't have $500 for $50, you can get out. But then you've got to go get your car. And I bet you it costs more than $2.19 to get your car back. Now, understand he's not even gotten to the courtroom yet. And it's already cost him a bond at the jail. It's already cost him a tow bill and a storage bill. Now, some might say, oh, Grady, isn't that a little much? And it's not. Where does the ball start downhill from the very top? If you allow the minor stuff, then it moves to the major stuff. So at the end of the day, in California, where you're not held accountable, there's a theft. And then other people see it and say, I can do it, and there's a theft. In Polk County, I just bet he didn't bond out of the jail, go get his car, and go back to the store and steal again. Nor did we give other thieves the impression it's okay to steal. Yes. That's the difference. Yeah, I agree. Not just who you arrest, it's the standards you set for the community. Mm -hmm. That's why people are safe and they feel safe. That's why they trust us. That lady called us because she knew we would arrest that guy for stealing. And that's what we did. And that's why the community's safe. That's why our crime's low, because people know they're going to be held accountable. Human nature. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I think it's great. It works. You know, I see it. This would make a different sure thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to end this on um, something a little different, kind of a fun fact. I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that you are a photographer. Is that true? That is my hobby, nature oh. and landscape photography. Oh, my gosh. I love photography. So, wow. yes, that's what I do to relax. Okay. Awesome. In your free time, you, you and, travel? Yes, on? what a little free time I have. I know. You're a busy guy. You are a busy guy. Well, I tell you what, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this today. This means a lot to the listeners and, and to our podcast, too. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And I hope you invite me back again. Yes, for sure. I'll bring some more crazy criminal stories to you. Uh, yes, please. I love those. Yes. Take care. <laughs> right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please tell a friend. And don't forget to visit our website, northeastpokechamber.com, for more information and to learn about our upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Citizens Bank & Trust. Thanks again for joining us today. And we'll catch you in the next episode.